Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Inside the Creative Process. I'm your host, Alicia Peterson Baskell, and today you're listening to another solo episode. And I hesitated because this is a very personal, personal subject that I felt it was time to talk about the subject of grief. Before we go into this, I wanted to first remind you and share with you, if you don't know, that I am also a breathwork artist, and I wanted to invite you to join me in one of my breathwork classes. Breathwork has been a place both of healing and of creativity. I mean, truly, I can't separate those two things. When we're diving into our own selves so deeply, that's the same place where we express ourselves. That's the same place where the joy comes from. That's the same place that the grief comes from. That's the same place that the words that want to be said come from. It's our body. People who want to create can really get a lot of access to your creative impulses through breath work. If you are interested, please, please reach out. I'll attach the link. You can sign up directly to one of my sessions. And I also do one-on-one sessions for those of you who want to dig even deeper. Now it's with some hesitation and complete vulnerability that I share with you my story of grief. I've wanted to talk about some of my grief over the last five years. You know, it's more than grief. There's so much more to it. I think before experiencing the death of loved ones and the grief that follows, I think before experiencing that, I had an idea of what grief was and it aligned with sadness and I'm learning and I continue to learn that it's so much more than that. I hesitated talking about it on the podcast because the podcast is about the creative process, right? And what does grief have to do with the creative process? And I'm (laughs) realizing that it can have so much to do with the creative process if we let it, if we let our grief, our emotions, our frustration, if we let these parts of us that, you know, sometimes we just want to alleviate that we just, we just want to wipe that away. We want to get rid of it. We want to get it out of our bodies. And yes, yes, I hear that. And I absolutely want to help support people to release the trauma in our bodies that we don't need, but grief is different. Grief is, it's both sadness and wonder. There's so much wonder in it. We don't have to feel only the sadness. We can feel the wonder and the wonder can, and the sadness can both support our creativity. And that's why I decided I wanted to talk about, about it today, because I want to encourage you as an artist, whether you've experienced grief or whether you have not to allow yourself to explore your own emotions and to dig deeper and to open your heart and to work 
from there because there is so much we can share with our audiences and that we can share with ourselves. That idea of releasing this, there's no more beautiful way to release and to set free some of these crippling emotions than to explore creatively, explore these spaces in ourselves that it's so oversimplified to name it, you know, it's so oversimplified. They can be so complex in art and dance, music and writing and making of all types is such a beautiful and and giving place to explore these things. So I've been living in the abstract here for a bit, and I hope you've been following along, but I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. And today is very much a perfect day because I, this morning went to my daughter's performance. Um, My daughter, Juliana is in the fifth grade here in California. That means it's her last year of elementary school and she'll be promoting to middle school. So I've had, you know, emotions around that coming up right now. I went to see her performance this morning. They had a a wildly fun rock and roll performance. And it was, it was just so fun. I was so proud of her, but that's, you know, that's an aside thing. We all have different parenting journeys, ups and downs. What happened during that is the grief bubbled up out of nowhere at least it felt like it was out of nowhere but it's it's a part of me it's a part of of how i see things i see things with recognition that my mom and dad aren't here i don't necessarily believe that they can't see things i actually do believe that they can and i'll talk about that a bit but yeah it still hurts it still is it's complicated <laughs> we'll just go with that. It's complicated. So let's go back almost five years ago. Now it was the end of August in 2018. I lost my mother. She died one morning. It was the first day of my, the same daughter. It's the first day of Juliana's first grade that morning at the five something AM. She, we thought she was invincible She'd survived so much. It was too much. At that point, it had become, her body was just failing in too many ways. And that was it. She was so sick and she was dying and we just couldn't see it because she had survived so much. So it was quite shocking, to be honest. I was there with her. She was on a ventilator. She has a, 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 a had a pacemaker. So her heart was still beating. Her breath was still breathing. It looked like it was still breathing, but she was gone. So it was really, it was really a little tricky, Um, but it was, it was palpable. You could feel her presence and her presence shifting. And I look back at some of my journals before I, I decided to do this podcast today. They weren't really helpful because that was five years ago. And I was in a place where I was searching for, you know, anything good. And I was amazed by things. I still am. (laughs) I still am amazed by some of the things that took place. 
following her death, but I don't want to diminish that feeling of, of grief within all of the amazement and wonder. I remember telling her that, you know, we were, we were trying to encourage her. We just didn't feel like there was any way she could die. And when I say we, I mean, my sisters, myself, our family, it just didn't seem possible. She was such a powerhouse. She was, you know, at the helm of the ship. She was the leader, the matriarch of our family. And she, she was dying. And I said to her, and I still feel this way. I said, we trust you. We trust you. Whatever you choose, we trust you. I feel like that was an anchor for me and has been going forward. It's something she used to always say it, trust your mother. <laughs> and those were the times when you went, okay, yes, you know, you, you have a feeling. She would have, you know, a feeling. Not too long after I said that, she passed away that morning. So it was really strange. You know, it was really strange because not everyone was there. It was just me and, and Lori, my older sister. And as, you know, each of the family members walked in, it was just, you know, an, another opening up the wound, opening up the wound. I mean, it was immediately following. So there was no closing of the wound. I asked my mom for many things when she first left. I just said, can you please go be with Juliana on her first day of school of first grade? Cause she was scared. And I wanted her to give me the power to support the rest of my family. And I felt like I had that, but leaving, leaving her there, you know, <laughs> she wasn't there anymore, but it was just very strange. We'd been in and out of hospitals for years and she always left. And this time she didn't. We walked out of the hospital. I got in the car with my dad. We drove home. It was six in the morning on a Monday morning. It was very strange. Nobody else was on the road. People were starting their days, starting their weeks, and we were ending something. And we went back to my, my parents' house. And my dad, out of sheer habit, you know, wanted to get there quickly and, and get the dishes in the dishwasher. Cause mom would have been upset if we had people over without the dishes, the dishes on the, on the counter. And gosh, right there, as we sat around in the living room that we celebrated so many holidays in, I couldn't escape this feeling of a presence. I knew it was my mom. I don't know if I knew right away, actually, but this feeling of, of somebody dancing in the foyer area that I was facing. And I just kept getting this feeling of dancing and joy, just delight. Like many people in the time before they, they die, her body wasn't accessible to her in any way like that. <laughs> like she was dancing. But yeah. I was confused. I was so confused because I was feeling this new feeling that felt impossible. And simultaneously, I was experiencing from what felt like my mom, this intense joy, and it felt unfair. <laughs> so I kept going to the bathroom. The reason why I went to the bathroom 
is because that was a space, this one particular bathroom that was between my room and her room where she would do her hair and I would get ready after, you know, becoming an adult. I spent quite a bit of time staying overnight there for quite a bit of time because I always lived somewhere other than Scottsdale, Arizona, where she lived. So when I would come to visit, I would stay at my parents' house and my mom and I would go and do many, many things together before I had kids, after I had the girls, it didn't matter. I would go and we'd get ready. She'd be getting ready. I'd get ready and we'd chat. And that was like such a great place to chat. So I went up there and I could really imagine her there. You know, I could really put her there. I want to say something real quick that imagination, for those of you who've lost somebody, if you're noticing your imagination, bringing them into your presence, you can trust that. That is actually something to to really play with. I think in in our culture, we write off imagination as something that is made up and frivolous. And I mean, I know I'm talking to artists and people who love art and people who like to talk about and listen to discussions about art. So I know you understand this, but I really want to kind of shine the light on imagination as it pertains to the people that we've lost and maybe consider that it's a portal or just ask the question, could it be a portal, whether you believe that or not? Could you just ask that question? And so I went like all that day, I would just have to leave everybody because I needed to be alone. And I was tired. I'd stayed up pretty much all night. And one of the biggest things that I kept, that kept coming to me, and it wasn't in her voice and it wasn't in the way she spoke. And that was weird for me, but what kept coming to me was that she was just so, she was so joyful She was so happy that this was everything we'd ever imagined. I mean, she and I used to talk about the potentials for life after death. And, you know, we used to talk about all things spiritual and woo-woo and whatever you want to call it, Uh, because she lost her mom when she was pretty young, too. She lost her mom I think while she was pregnant with me. And so during that time, she was trying to find answers. So she and I talked about the answers that she came to about her mother. So it was really easy to step into this. I'd never experienced it, but it was really easy for me to step into this space where she is still here. And she has ways of communicating. And it's so cliche, you know, when people say like, oh, she's with you in your heart. They say that. And before you've experienced it, you get, I mean, at least, at least me, I got a really benign viewpoint of like, okay, she's with me in my heart because I love her and I think of her. That's not what I want. I don't want that. When I recognize that, She is now seeing through my eyes because I give her that permission and I can sense that. She is now experiencing things that 
I experience, the way I experience them that she never did. Dance, movement, that internal sensation of my own energetic body. And it's just really profound and different than what I imagined. So this was that day was still like, you know, just adjusting and getting used to this new relationship and being completely grief stricken and just wanting to sleep. So when we finally went to sleep and I laid my head down, I heard a song immediately. And I thought there was a radio playing maybe outside, maybe in a car. And my sister was in the room with me and I just sat right back up and I said, okay, is there radio playing? And she went, no, what are you hearing? What do you hear? Cause she's on that same place in that same place that I, I told her, I heard a song by pink. My mom loved pink, pink as a song called beautiful trauma and beautiful trauma come to find out that when the death certificate was signed and, you know, given to my father, it said that she had trauma. And unfortunately, because of that, they had to do some kind of, you know, deeper dive into where that trauma came from. Well, it came from her surgery, but they sort of put my dad under the microscope there for a minute, which was not, not, not fair. It was from the surgery and past surgeries. Just that song, beautiful trauma and recognizing that this is how my mom feels about what happened. It was beautiful. <laughs> You'll hear me if you take a breathwork class with me. I use the word beautiful a lot. But that's, you know, so much about healing and releasing and feeling, just even feeling like I am right now, is beautiful. I think that's why I say it a lot. It just so much is beautiful. Yeah. So that song was really strong. And that was one of those first moments where I was really clear. Okay. Something's up. Something's up. She's, she's around. My little sister was seeing things like she was seeing like really, she was having these really clear, but I think scary to her experiences of clairvoyance. (laughs) I would go upstairs and sit in the bathroom again. That's where I kept going all week long. I would just go and sit in there and chat with my mom. And I just said, you know what? Why? Why not me? Why don't I get the clairvoyance? Why aren't you appearing for me? And she just said, that's too obvious. You don't need that. We've talked about this. Use those, use your senses. And I did. And I started seeing this color pink that she would always wear everywhere. I could see it everywhere. I could see it in the Bougainvillea. I could see it in lawn umbrellas, all the flowers everywhere. It popped really, really brightly that week. And in moving into the future, then we just start, we just, little things now, you know, it's, it's little things. And today, I want to collect some more of these little things and share them with you. But today in particular, I kind of wasn't ready for it. My oldest was on stage and they were playing. They were singing Tutti Frutti. My parents would always talk about the sock hops. They were 50s 
kids, early 60s, and they would go to sock ops. And my mom legit wore poodle skirts and versions of poodle skirts. You know, it didn't always have to have a poodle on it, of course, but that shape and that was her era. And they loved dancing together. And in the song, you know, it talks about the girl named Sue. Well, that's my mom's name. Yeah. So this is what happened to me. I started crying or (laughs) it's rough. If you've had like grief just explode up into your face, it just goes right up to my face. And I don't want to cry there in the front row of the school musical, but I could picture them dancing and it was pretty awesome and difficult at the same time. Here I thought I was just having a a regular day, a regular experience of a parent at an event that's already tinged with emotion. And then they show up and they dance and they show me that they're interweaving themselves throughout my life and that they will do that and that they will continue to do that Uh, because by now my father has also passed away. And that kind of fun is available to both of them. So (laughs) that was my morning. I think something that's come up in a breathwork session has been, you know, like, oh, it's been, you know, a few months since somebody died or, or since something has happened and maybe a person feels like they should be getting over it. I'm here to tell you, It's going to be a part of your life and that's okay. It's not always going to be hard. It isn't. And if you can work with it in creative ways, then it's going to be so much more rich and full. But I have to tell you one more thing. No sooner was that piece over than the Beatles came on. Now the Beatles are my aunt's favorites and it's, I want to hold your hand. And I've had so many experiences since losing my family members of feeling that feeling of somebody holding my hand. So if you feel that feeling today or tomorrow or anytime, or if you just want to feel that feeling, just reach out and, and hold their hand. It's, it's a thin veil. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this community and for encouraging me to share, not just share the work of others, but to also share my own voice. I hope this supports some of you out there in a way that that can feel like a, a warm hug. I really appreciate you all. Until next time, keep creating.